Thank you. I was expecting that. That's really good. Really good to see you. It's a joy to be with you all. Um, and you, if you're new or this is your first time or one of your first few times, it's really, really good to see you. Really good to have you with us. And if you're wondering what are all these whoops going on, encouragement and, and smiles between people, um, it's not just for show. <laughs> having, had, having known these people for some time, I know there's a really deep love between each other. Um, and, and I know that because I've been around for a little bit. So just know it's, it's, there's the, it goes deeper than the whoops. <laughs> but we also like encouraging each other too. Um, you uh, join us in the middle of a series, um, and a series all around giving, uh, as has been mentioned earlier on. And um, before I jump into, before we jump into the Bible together, my, my screen uh, turns to the slides uh, in a moment. Just to say, some of, the, some of this today will be specific for church family, and some of it will be general principles for you. So I, I hope and trust and pray that God would impact you and impress on you exactly what he has for you to receive today through things. There's no, there's no pressure, but God does what God, uh, only God can do. So with the last series, uh, last session in the series of thinking about money, and, and today we're looking at why we give. So some stats for you. Did you know that nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with the area of stewardship, whether it's money or possessions or what we have? One out of 10 verses in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament deal with money. And there are more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing in the Bible, money and possessions, which is twice as much as faith and prayer combined. And if you're wondering about this word tithing, I'd recommend you jump onto YouTube, go to last week's message or the previous week's message and listen in because they were excellent messages on giving and specifically tithing. So recap, what have we learned for the past three weeks? Well, we, we discovered that money itself is neutral. It's not positive or negative, it's, it's a resource. It's what we do with it that's the most important thing, and, and it, it depends on how it's used and how it's to be used. We invest our time, we have the opportunity to invest our time and money uh, in different activities in different places. We're all on a journey. I'm so glad about that, aren't you? We're all on a journey in different places with our walk with Jesus. No one has arrived, and as we get to know him better, each one of us serves as a testament to how God has transformed our lives, and specifically in the area of giving. And I, personally, am a completely different person now than I was five years ago, than I was 10 years ago, than I was 28 years ago when I first recognized that Jesus was real and was wanting a relationship with me. God, number four, God calls us to live a life of generosity, to be a giver, not a keeper. And Louise spoke brilliantly about this last week, so feel free to go back and listen into that. And also, number five, giving changes us. It doesn't just change the situations we give into, it changes us as the giver. It helps us become more like Jesus. And, and the, Bible word, the Bible words for these words when we come to Jesus is that the old is gone, the new has come. <laughs> And even before the old coming and the new, the old going and the new coming, there's a there's a transformation that happens in our lives 
when we encounter God, whether it's the first, the second, the fifth, the tenth, the twentieth time, which is so exciting. So if you're new, uh, the baptism's coming up, come back for the baptism service. If you don't come back for anything else, come back for the baptism service and listen in to people's testimonies and stories about how Jesus transforms lives. So let's jump into the Bible. We're in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 11. Uh, Let's read it together. It's going to come on the screen behind me. It says this, remember this, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he, supplies, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. As we read these words, remember that the words we read in the Bible are God-breathed. They're the very words of God that we're listening to through the Apostle Paul, the follower of Jesus, but they're inspired by God. And I'm going to focus simply on three things this morning. And number one is the giver's heart. So what's love got to do with it, as a song you may know says? Well, there are various ways to give to God. And relationship with God is always, always, always about the heart. Relationship with God is always about the heart. I've written that twice. (laughs) Worth remembering. (laughs) Martina highlighted this in her her message a few weeks ago. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we give, we're not just machines. We're not just robotic about it. We don't just lift up something with one hand and put it over here with the other hand or or do for the clicks on the computer. Um, There's a decision-making process, and it's our heart that makes the decision for these things. When I decided that Becky, my now wife, or Rebecca, uh, I wanted to marry her. So I decided I was going to prepare and and save up money and eventually bought a ring with the money I'd saved up for. And I I decided I wanted to make sure it was a memorable occasion. So I decided to book a flight to Rome. So I took her to Rome, first flight in the morning from Stansted Airport out to Rome, and I had a whole day of if, if, if I've got more time, I'll tell you a longer story. If you catch me later, I can tell you a longer story. Um, took her to Rome, had the whole activity planned throughout the day, um, and then the sun, I timed it so that when the sun set on a particular place in Rome, I got down on one knee and I proposed to her. And then I took her back home <laughs> on the same day. So it was like a whole day experience. And actually, she'll tell you, I fell asleep on the plane, so it wasn't much company on my hand. I'd be working up to this exciting moment, and then I was just exhausted. So I was like, <laughs> so she was buzzing, and I was just fast asleep. 
But the point is, my heart had a lot to do with what I did with my actions. It wasn't just begrudgingly doing something because I thought I, I, this was just something, a tick box I needed to do. No, I wanted to express my love to her and recognize that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And my love for her then is completely different, I would say, to my love for her now. My love for her then and now, my love for her now is deepened so, so, so much more through relationship. And the same goes with our Heavenly Father. We can express the art of giving in numerous ways, but it's primarily an act of love, a reflection of our, the abounding generosity of our Heavenly Father towards us. In Ezekiel, before I go into this next section, in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's what God does when we meet with him. He replaces that hard heart of stone with a hard heart of flesh that he can change and mold and shape according to his purposes and will. So Paul's writing here, a follower of Jesus. Remember this, I've focused in on verse six and seven. I wanna pick out six areas in here that it tells us how we can give. So remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So sow sparingly, that's one way to give. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. That's another way to give. Sow generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. That's another way we can give, deciding in our hearts. Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The point is God loves our cheerful giving. He loves the heart expression of our giving to him. So there's six areas here, and it culminates in that cheerful giving. Give as you have decided in your heart. Well, in what sense? Well, give in this way. Love it. Delight in giving. The heart is a central place where you really want to do something. And, and, and what this does is it rules out these two other ways, which is reluctantly or under compulsion. Reluctantly means it's like a, it's like a grief. It's like it feels like I, I really don't want to do this. I've got, I'll give, but I'm, I'm really reluctant. I'm really feeling the pain of it. That's, that, that, it'd be awesome to be, be regretful if we gave in this way. And there's such a thing as under compulsion because we can give for various different reasons, like avoiding a punishment, for example. Some of us have the, the idea that God, that God is a God of punishment, and God will want something from us, and then in, that, in return, he won't punish us. And that's not the God of the Bible. God is all-loving. He's slow to anger and rich in love. That's, that's who God is. But that could be a reason that we might give or want to give. Or it might mean that we want to seek someone's approval or praise. We might think, if I give here, then the person counting the money will think really good of me because I'm giving so much money. No, that's, that's again under compulsion. 
it's not coming from the heart's delight in giving. It's coming from the heart's delight in maybe avoiding punishment or wanting to be praised or to be thought highly, uh, to, to be thought highly of. All giving should be glad, cheerful giving. This is God's will. But we're all on a journey. It's decided in our heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Maybe this, maybe this is you, I don't know, <laughs> when you're giving. And this is the Greek word of cheerful, by the way. It's, it's hilarious, which is where we derive our English word hilarious. God is the God of multiplication, and that's why we're reading about seeds here. This is the message version. It says, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you'll give. That will protect you against the sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God is the God of multiplication, which is why we read about seeds here. And as we sow lavishly, there'll be a return lavishly. As we sow stingily, there'll be a stingy crop. But there's different ways to give. The giver's heart. How we spend our money is so important and it reveals what's important to us. And the way we determine in our hearts to give enables God to shape our heart. And the reason I say that, as I think about this, as I think about preparing this, I was thinking, it's not just the doing of the giving that's important. I was, I was thinking about how I explain this to my children. <laughs> how do I explain, how I explain giving to children? That's, that's always a good test. If you know a principle, try and teach it to a child, and then you really think you know it or not. <laughs> because if they don't get it, you don't know it, <laughs> or you haven't explained it properly. And we try and explain it to our children, and we're going to, our children are still young, so they'll get more and more into this, where we have like a pot for giving, a pot for, like three pots, a pot for giving, a pot for saving, and a pot for spending. And simply those three pots enable us to describe and explain what giving really is. And the fact that we want to put the giving pot first, make sure we give first, and then we save, and then we spend on other things, like other, other, other things that we have. But it's not just about um, the giving is about the love for giving. So I want to express the joy of giving to our children too. And very early on in my years, um, I, I started to give money to God through the local church, as we're told in the Bible. And there were very, very small amounts, but I also have testimonies of giving, I think it was 40 pounds or something, of my allowance in a, in a particular time. Um, and, 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 and it was a particularly difficult week and I didn't think I really had the money to give, but I gave it. And then a week later, or I don't know, maybe it was three days later, I think it was, 40 pounds appeared um, extra in my pay packet that week, just because of, just because, I don't know, it was, God, God does amazing things. <laughs> we try and work it out, which is often the problem. But actually, it's best not to work it out and just allow God to be God. God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God when it comes to giving. 
Maybe, maybe you can repeat that for me <laughs> to remind yourself. God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. It all begins and ends with him. God, secondly, is the ultimate giver. And I'm just going to share a quick video. So if you want to turn up the sound, guys, awesome, thank you. Um, just to illustrate what this is about. This One is of J. John. my favorite stories is of the man who at an airport wanted to buy a coffee and a bag of very small donuts. So he buys his coffee, he buys his donuts, he's looking for somewhere to sit. And, but all the tables, they're all taken. But there's one table where there's one man sitting and he thinks, I know what I'll do, I'll go and sit opposite him. So he goes opposite there, he puts his coffee down, he puts his bags down, he puts his coat round his chair, he sits on the chair. He opens his coffee, he has a sip, puts it down. He picks up the bag of donuts, he opens it, takes out a little donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down. The man opposite stretches over, picks up the bag of donuts, takes out a donut, starts eating it, puts the bag down, smiles. <laughs> the other man cannot believe what he has just seen. The man stole one of his donuts. I mean, what is the world coming to? Does he not know that you're not meant to do that? He, he doesn't quite know what to say, but he thinks, I better not say anything. So he gave him one of these looks could kill looks. He picked up the bag of donuts. He took out another donut. He moved the bag to the edge of the table. He turned sideways, body language resistance reading his paper. The man opposite stretched over, picked up the bag of donuts, took out another donut, started eating it, put the bag down and he smiled. The other man cannot believe it. He has stolen two of my donuts. I mean, this is unbelievable. He's obviously not quite there, is he? He's a banana short of a fruit bowl. He's not there. But he decides not to say anything. Anyway, the man got up to leave, so he thought it's about time you left, you donut thief. <laughs> then he looked at his watch. Oh, goodness, it's time for me to go. So he got up, he put his coat on, he bent down to pick up his bag, and sitting on top of his bag was his bag of donuts. He's complaining that the other man was stealing his donuts when the truth was the other man was sharing his donuts. <laughs> now listen to me, listen carefully. God owns all the donuts. There we go. God owns all the donuts. That was Jay John for an event back in 2011. I was actually there at that event in London. Um, but really good illustration of God owns everything. God owns all the donuts. God owns all the seed, right? And this is what Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give 
them to receive. Everything that we own is actually on loan. God owns everything. In the Old Testament, um, David, King David, he was saving all his money to build this temple. And he expresses this in a different way. He said, wealth and honor come from you, God. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise. But who am I and who are my people that, that, that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So God, here we read that God is the one who provides the seed to the sower. We read here, he who supplied seed to the sower and also bread for food. Bread is for eating, seed isn't for eating. Bread is for eating, seed isn't for eating. Seed is for planting, bread is for eating, right? God who provides for our needs, provides for our needs in the way that we can, we can be fed, but then he also gives us seeds to do something with, to supply, to increase your store of seed. He's able to increase our store of seed if we sow and will enlarge the harvest of our righteousness, that we would be enriched in every way so that you can be generous, so we can be generous on every occasion. God knows all of our needs. He knows exactly how to meet our needs. And all of us are in different places here. This is not about particular amounts. This is about what God gives each one of us. This is the Amplified Version. Let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose. Thoughtfully and with purpose, just as that he has decided in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. What the Bible also says is, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink about your body. Isn't life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. And the reason that we often worry about the future is that we envision the future without God. We are so valuable to him. Everything that we have comes from him. And he trusts us with these things. So let each one give thoughtfully and with purpose. We, we heard about purpose earlier on as we thought about the, we listened to the purpose of this church. Anyone can remember what Samuel was saying? This purpose of this church is to know Jesus and to make him known. That's the purpose of this church, to know Jesus and make him known. And it's all about people. It's all about people. It's not just about the material things that we have. It's about people making Jesus Connect, uh, making Jesus known to people. Here we go. This is the freedom that, we, that, that, that exists. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. There's a freedom, and Ali was sharing so freely about what it's like to give. 
There was a freedom in giving. There's a great freedom in when we give. And this is what we learned about the other week about our tithe, which literally means tenth. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God says. Test me in this, which is the only time I can see that God says, test me anything in the Bible and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, is God saying tithing is a guarantee that we'll be financially prosperous? No. If that were true, then tithing wouldn't be an act of giving. It would be like an investment. But that's not God, what God is saying. God is saying if you tithe, it's, 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 not like, it, it, it's like we can trust him with what we have, what we give. Over the long time, the person who tithes and gives to God's work will be more blessed financially. That's what it says, or more blessed in every other way. As we learn what it is to give from the one who is the master of giving, God, the best, the most generous giver. Even more than this, that we're talking about giving financially, but God demonstrated his love for us in a different way. As we read in 1 John 4, verse 9, it says, this is how God's love was revealed among us. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Even more than giving us seed and life and breath and food and clothes and shelter. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave up his son, Jesus Christ, who left behind the glorious riches of heaven to come to earth. And if you don't know about Jesus today, please have a conversation with us. We'd love to introduce you to him. We'd love to talk to you more about that. God is the ultimate giver. What's the other impact of generous giving? Well, we read in verse nine, verse, verse 11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The only way we can, we can give, the only way we can truly love through giving is because God first loved us. And here we read about blessing in terms of the seed that we have from the person who gives us the seed, God, and then the sowing that is done with the seed. And in this context, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth here, and they were particularly meeting a need in, a, in, 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 an, area, in an area here. And, and, there was, and, and it says this, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So not only will the need be met, and the need that was met, was met, it will result in thanksgiving to God. God will receive the praise. God will receive the glory. God will receive thanksgiving. There's a great freedom when we give. And, and the church, is, West of the church purpose is, is, is already been said to serve, to, to make, know Jesus and make him known. And this is done through the ministry of the church in different ways, through storehouse, through small groups, through preschool, through meetups, through soft play, through youth. These are areas that things that we can see, we can, we can partner in together. But there's also areas that we can't see that God works through. And there's great freedom in that. 
And when we give, we know we give with an eternal purpose because the things that we, can't, we can see are temporary, but the things that we can't see are eternal. So remember, as we go back to the three points, it's a decision of the heart to give. Secondly, we are given an example of the most generous giver in God, who is here right now amongst us. And thirdly, the impact of generous giving goes beyond just what we can see. So before we stand and pray, let me just invite you to settle yourselves. I'm just going to read something and just let you, let you imagine that you have some land. Maybe you're a farmer. Maybe you're not. And the land is just sitting there. Someone who cares about you comes to you with bags of seed. He tells you to plant it. Just do that much. You don't even know how to plant it correctly. But you just trust him enough to scatter seeds on the ground and watch what happens. That's all you have to do, he says. He will water it. He will make it grow. He will take all responsibility for the outcome of the crop. You get the strong impression that he is trustworthy, so you do it. You plant the seed, and you're surprised to see that he comes and tends it alongside you. He's out there, even sometimes when you're asleep, it grows and produces far more than you could ever ask or imagine. It benefits you and others. Keeps bringing you delicious loaves of bread, baked from your wheat crop, along with other things that you need. And at harvest time, he asks how much of it you want to give away. You take what you need, and you give the rest of it away. Because if you don't, it'll just go bad. There's no sense in hoarding it. The next year, he comes back with more seed. Of course, you plant it. Eventually, you become a great farmer, producing more and more each year, learning as you do. And people may notice your prosperity. There may have been a point when you thought about keeping more of the harvest for yourself. You tried that. The reward wasn't great. Less growth in the crops, less growth in you. Why keep more when you already have everything you need? You learn that even if you scatter the seed on the ground, using it all up, the seed that land comes, the seed that for the land comes too. As you plant more, the bigger the harvest. And the bigger the harvest, the more relationships you form with people who need what you have and those who want to join you in giving from their crops. The one where the seeds continues to return faithfully with more seeds. Sometimes maybe it isn't as much as you hoped. Often it's more. You get to know him better. The one who gives you the seed. You trust his judgment. Your gratitude abounds. And you start giving up the things that you thought you needed so that you can buy more land to plant on. And the seed grows well there too. Maybe you think you don't need to be rich. Giving has become part of your regular pattern. A really good habit, something to do more, uh, something to do more giving sounds like a pretty good idea, a pretty good deal. And the joy of farming and the joy of giving others, it overflows. The more you do this, the more other people are praising the one who brought you the seed. Though you have dedicated yourself to the work, they recognize something else in the overflowing nature of it. All thanks goes to the one who brought the seed. Even those who have never met him believe you that he is faithful. They see your obedience to him. They sense your joy and they're grateful for you too. You find friends who are farming the seed with you 
taught by the one who brought you their, your seed, they have similar experiences. You continue to do it. And the love in you for other people in other places grows. You have friends all over the country, even all over the world, who have received from your crops, who have farmed with you. And all this came your way because you said yes to a couple of bags of seed and went out and scattered them.